everybody, and welcome to another episode of... Beneath the Screen of the Ultra Critics. Nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Thad. Say hello, Thad. Yeah, hi, yes, me, hi. And my other co-host, Kara. Hi. Say hello, Kara. <laughs> hello, Kara. Yeah, there we go. Uh, um, we come to you in the midst of a pandemic. Some of us in the middle of a lockdown. Uh, no, all well, well I mean, all of us. Yeah, like Illinois got stay-at-home stuff. Yeah, we're I shelter think. in place. Yeah, shelter in place. Because we yeah. have a real governor, <laughs> unlike some Missouri's I could mention. Ah, <laughs> uh, remind me to tell you about when I called my mother a couple days ago, oh. and she was in Branson. <laughs> Oh, this is an off-air conversation, but I can't wait to hear the rest of it. (laughs) Yeah. Hello, everybody. And today we're going to be talking about movie theaters. Or what the hell. Um... Uh, I'm sorry. You mentioned Branson. And I think when Branson is mentioned in MST3K, the movie, I have like a serious, (laughs) the TV is talking specifically to me now moment. And that just hit me really hard. It did. (laughs) Um, For those of you who don't know, uh, a lot of movies have been postponed. Mm-hmm. Definitely, some of them have been pushed back as far back as May, and uh, uh, and also a bunch of beloved, famous people have tested positive for the the, the coronavirus. But also, that's yeah. There's a lot of uh, stuff tied up in that, both emotionally and economically. Yep. Um, so Universal released some movies that they what they had in theaters or were going to release in theaters online. For 20 mm. bucks a pop. Not to rent them, but to view them. For like, what? basically, if I, if I understand it correctly, like one-time watch. You know, it's not like Amazon. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. the... I, yeah, because, I mean, it, it goes through the same basic thing as, like, digitally renting a movie, right? Um, yes. Like, if, if, you, if you do it through... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but again, you don't get to own it. Like, yeah, you would, I, like, buy something. It's just, like, you, you watch it, and there it goes. Well, I mean, it does make it easier for whoever the people who steal movies are to steal them, though, obviously. Right. Um, <laughs> now, what's interesting is, um, so I may have mentioned before, most movie theater chains have a guy whose entire job is to keep a relationship up with the studios. Mm-hmm. So Universal was asked by one of these reps, like, is this just for the virus thing or is this going to be like a new permanent thing? Mm. And Universal's like, oh, it's just just for the virus because of, like, uh, insinuating circumstances. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But then in the press release, they said, this is, a, yep. this is how they're going to do it from now on. Hey, anybody out there read Naomi Klein's The Shock Doctrine? <laughs> because that, because Jeremiah just used uh, what happened in movie theaters to describe exactly what that book is about. <laughs> so essentially what we have is movie theaters and studios have never, ever since they've been divorced from each other, I've always mm. had a mm-hmm. sort of uneasy alliance. A detente, as it were. Right. Like, we've talked about how ticket sales, it's a sliding profit-sharing thing, and most of yeah. the money comes from concessions. And so also, now- there's, uh, like, it reminds me of, in a kind of less overtly hostile way, the weird relationship that, like, GameStop and other resellers have to the video game industry. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? How's that? Uh, well, there, I mean, there are a lot of times where... Well, aside from just their own creepy business practices, because GameStop is awful. Don't shop there if you can avoid it. But um, they uh, 
there have been several times where console game like console game makers have tried to find ways to prevent people from being able to resell their games so mm-hmm. like it's a it's a whole weird relationship i i could not go into it in detail right now because i'm sort of out of the loop i just uh right. ugh. well that actually bit me with one of the batman games i decided i wasn't going to play any of the dlc until i beat the game and then it turns out that like it's not dlc it was just locked in such a way that you couldn't access part of the game, so I couldn't figure out why the ending didn't make complete sense until I realized that they were trying to prevent the resale market from being able to play a complete game. <laughs> yeah. Um, One time used codes and other weird stuff. Anyway, sorry. Studios will also allow, especially Disney, because Disney has, at least up until this point, uh, had so much power, they could basically go, all right, we want this movie to play in your biggest houses, which means yeah. we don't choose where the movie plays. Mm. It means they have to play in the four biggest houses, even if the movie's bombing for the first you know, nine times out of ten, the agreement is for yeah. four weeks, even before the movie comes out. Because Disney can hurt you and you can't hurt Disney. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but online streaming has really been affecting least movie theaters in my area simply because mm. Universal's streaming movies new releases are 20 bucks a pop mm. which mm-hmm. is about as much as an average movie ticket price oh out there really uh, for my theater 1775 I mean yeah, that, I, that tracks like I, I yeah coast stuff is expensive now other theaters have like $8 Tuesdays and stuff like that and so mm. there are ways to get around it but even when you buy a ticket via like Adam or mm. Um, Fandango, it's not. It's going to at least be fifteen dollars. Yeah, it'll be in that range. Yeah. Right. So essentially, it's five dollars more than the average ticket price. Mm. Which, while not exorbitant, kind of exorbitant. Um, it's also, <laughs> <laughs> like we talked about this a little bit. There is a, a a universal myth that internet access is universal. Yeah. <laughs> and rural areas. Some urban areas in which, uh, uh, even metropolis-wise, the poorer neighborhoods, the internet access is not as good because internet access is expensive. Yep. Really good internet access, if you want to run a business from your home, is somewhere like $200. Yeah, while while major cities were like fighting over who was going to get Google Fiber, there's still plenty of places in America that don't have like decent internet access even at what we would think of as just like a standard or even low tier like connection speed right for perspective on this so a lot of times when people say oh this area doesn't have internet access what people picture is like the deep south the backwoods of new orleans maybe the Appalachians, somewhere up in the somewhere where a somewhere. banjo is playing yeah. <laughs> so, uh, for perspective on what this is, um, my friend lives. So, Chicago is a huge metropolitan area. It's enormous. And so, my friend lives one town beyond the last stop on the extended train service. Mm-hmm. So, on the food line. So, just at the, about the furthest, right, slightly past the very last stop on the extended train. Hmm. Um, and. It's a town called Woodstock, Illinois. It's actually where they filmed Groundhog Day. It is a small town, but her parents live on the edge of the small town and they don't, they're on satellite internet. So like, this is not nowhere. So this is Illinois. It's very flat. It doesn't have crazy waterways. We do have crazy weather, but not too bad. Like there's kind of no reason for it. Yeah. You can be like 30 minutes away 
away from a real city and not get decent internet. Yeah. Or, or like have satellite be your only option. Like this is not a place where people are like barefoot. This is a place where people wear suits on the train to go to their business jobs and they just don't have it. And also barefoot banjo people deserve high speed internet too. Right. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying that like, this life. is much more of a profoundly yeah, yeah, yeah. widespread and much more than the ways people commonly understand it to be. It's very common yeah. just to be on the edge of somewhere. This country is so big. Mm. Oh, it's massive. And I don't think people truly understand how massive the country is. If you've yet to vote yet in a national election, see which uh, person running is uh, fighting for rural internet access and consider <laughs> supporting them. <clears throat> I can't mm. imagine who that would be. Does it with yeah. Ernie mm. Andes? Yeah, it could be. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no, I bring this up because while, yes, more people have access to movies on the internet, it is still not a... It is still more of a stopgap thing mm. because, weirdly enough, small towns or places like that do have a movie theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, now, whether or not it's a repertoire theater or an actual movie theater is... Mm. Dependent on the place, but repertoire movie theaters are actually coming back simply because people are more willing to leave for a movie they know about, mm. or have heard, or have seen. I'm finding than are willing to come out for a big Marvel movie. Well, unless there's something like Marvel movies are an ex- exemption because everyone goes see them because we've made it so where you, you know. have to. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be left out of the discourse, hashtag discourse. Right, but if you don't see Birds of Prey, that's fine. No, it's not. Not. (laughs) I agree, it's not. I love it. I know. I'm just saying, cultural-wise, and for the next uh, WB comic book movie, unimportant. But because Marvel hasn't still the gotta buy them all. Oh, are they still making Warner Brothers comic book movies? I'd forgotten. (laughs) (laughs) that a thing? I didn't know. Um, (laughs) But... Yeah, so basically what we're getting at is the future of movie theaters is a little bit rocky. Not just yeah. because it's becoming financially untenable, but now mm. with the studio, the rift between the studios and the theaters growing a little bit wider. Mm. Uh, it's becoming to the point where like it's hard to really understand if anything changes because as as we've seen... Nothing could change. We could just all be back to work in the next two or three weeks, and that's mm. it. Mm. Because we've discovered the moment anyone starts to lose a little bit of money who's not a working class person, that's <laughs> <it>. <laughs> let's that's... just hold on. I mean, we could be told to go back to work. That's right. different from going back to work. This is true. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. One of the more, like... Uh, things that that I thought was like a, a nice little hopeful thought when I saw people talking about the uh, movie theaters and like the effect that social distancing and and social distancing being something that will that should continue to be a concern in the future, just generally, obviously not at this level, but like something that needs to be kept in mind is a potential revival of drive-in theaters. And I don't know how realistic that is, but it was I found it a charming and uh, positive thought. <laughs> drive-in theaters are awesome. And at the same time, uh, the audio is awful. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, also, Which like, you know. to me more than most people. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I do feel like, though, with the, the cheapness of, like, decent Bluetooth audio devices and things mm-hmm. like that, I could, I could see a revival of drive-ins, like, if they're using 
if, if they're not just dusting off old drive-in tech being something that could be more workable than it used to be in terms of uh, audio. So I mean, funny. it would be incredibly cool if we could start to do things where people could go and bring headphones that's better for them if they're hard of hearing or have other special needs oh, or if they you could even connect things to a device so that way you could have subtitles on it hmm. or even subtitles in different language so if your you know primary language is you know mandarin chinese and you're hard of hearing you could go and get headphones that are blast as loudly as you want and then you could stream it to your ipad or whatever and you could actually see the subtitles as it goes along i hmm. mean there'd be some difficulties with that but it could be a potential to resolve the subtitle issue. So you guys bring up a, a point about theaters updating their equipment. Yeah. <laughs> now movie theaters, all movie theaters, uh, for some reason love to buy new things and let it <laughs> die on the vine. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Remember we talked about, I, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast. I don't remember. Gemini man. The only yeah. 14 theaters in the country. We've reached a point now where there are new ways to make movies, but we don't have the equipment in the majority of theaters to show that movie. Yeah, that's that's bonkers. That's that is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, what is it? Um, I think it's I think it's a William Gibson quote, but something about the future will not be equally distributed. Right. It's one of the things like even like the carpeting. And yeah, like the, the a lot of movie, new movie theaters have really nice seats, but some of the older ones they haven't, and the seats are awful. And people are like, yeah. well, "Why don't you change them?" Like, "Well, you want to pay the money?" No. Yeah. Uh, uh, movie theaters little... have always been really bad about this. Yeah, well, it's one of those things. Like, I because I the theaters around here, like the one that's closest to us, has has done renovations in the last few years, so it's it's not exactly like. Uh, it, it's not like ArcLight fancy, but it's 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 nice. You know? ArcLight's not um, that fancy. That's the hilarious part. Oh, okay, fair <laughs> enough. Uh, what what's that? The the I don't know. There's a, a th- another theater chain I was reaching for and I missed it, so I just grabbed Legal? yours. Uh, maybe I don't AMC? know. No, it's like the the um the one that hipsters go to to like have fancy movie nights or whatever. In the oh, landmark. Yeah, I think that's it. Um. Like I, I feel like Alamo that, Draft House. I'm calling you. There out. we go. Oh, there we go. Draft oh, House. Yeah. yeah, that is a. That, you want to talk expensive? Yeah, yeah. Cool, because <laughs> oh. they they got one of those in in uh, Springfield after I left there. But um, <laughs> I hashtag totally wanted... worth it. Huh? Alamo Draft House is totally worth it. It's totally worth the price point. I'm, I'm not arguing that it's not. I just like uh, once like I those. Agree to disagree on that. Those, those the, types... the one I went to was worth okay. it. The, those types of theaters where they they have like the the food and the nice chairs and stuff like that's that's been a strong influence on the the theater that we regularly go to out here as well. But um, or the the theater that we go to when we go, I, I shouldn't say regularly because we don't. I see have the movies. memory of us seeing um, what was that war movie? The Catherine oh. Bigelow Hurt Locker. Hurt Locker, God damn! And I, we were in I, the front row. Ugh, yeah, <laughs> we all ate, and even you. Mr. Iron Cat, like Mr. Iron Stomach, we're like, oh, okay, this is yeah, this is a, this is a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> but oh, sorry, you mentioned Catherine Bigelow, and I just had this flashback to when she used to make like fun genre movies that were in like you know fascinating and and eminently rewatchable as opposed to weird post nine eleven war porn. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like I I see like I've you know I'm 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 more used to those types of th- like those those like 
restaurant theaters uh, these days. And like when I see just what would have been a regular movie theater to me when we were in like high school and, and college, like what the f- what exactly. in the world happened? Like, the, the, the mere notion of like what we're describing is insane. If you went to movies as a child, yeah. No, that's so. One of the interesting things is I grew up in central Illinois and our relationship with the movie theater was the air conditioning because we didn't have any in our house. Yeah. Um, so I went, I saw a ton of movies as a kid, but then we moved to Arizona and in Arizona, there's the similar obsession with like anything air conditioned, except we had it in the house. So the movie theaters in Arizona, what Arizona was doing in like the mid nineties is what the rest of the world is picking up now. Like Arizona had stadium seating. Oh. It was luxurious. It didn't usually have food that was different but like it was an experience and so what i'm seeing now is reminding me of what i saw like in the mall pre 9 11 Hmm. in like phoenix like the nice parts of phoenix where we didn't live we just shopped (laughs) well also i think it's fair to point out movie theaters have always been on the verge of death this is the thing Mm. about movie theaters they've always been crying we're about to die yeah. Well, I, I think that it kind of says like this mo- this like weird toxic model we have right now, where everyone who makes money doesn't own anything. Exactly. And mm. it's it's just it's just in a weird way, just not that different from like Grubhub, where the people who deliver your food don't work for anyone. The people that deliver your movies, like they kind of own the building, maybe they rent it and they work for a company that they don't make that much money of. So they sell you snacks on machines that they rent. It's very weird. We live in a weird time and I think it's finally collapsing, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. It's everywhere. To piggyback on what you said on the fact that like movie theaters... It's very weird to me that for so much of Hollywood's history, the whole point of making a movie was for it to play in a movie theater. Mm. And yet, movie theaters are a step or two below fast food workers. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, why is it the place that shows the whole reason why movies exist? Why do you pay A, so poorly, and B, why is the mindset, well, let's just, it doesn't really matter who we hire, we can just replace them with anyone. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, the most modern day movie theaters don't have projectionists. Yeah, that is weird. And which I is guess. fine, except if you want to see a movie in the right format, it helps. <laughs> yeah, like that that sort of fractured nature of uh, like what a movie theater even is. Right. Well, I mean, but like th- this is movie theaters are endemic of this but this sort of ongoing stripping away of anyone competent yeah so they'll be like oh we'll make the system more simple we'll make the system more simple so that way anyone can use it and they keep stripping it back and stripping it back but all that happens is like 20 no one can really use it it ends up being constantly broken and in need of repair and so you end up with people who like sort of know how to rig it together and they become invaluable but never paid more until they finally either burn out or die right well take the i spent a lot of time in fast food sorry <laughs> nine years of Burger King. i hear you yeah mm. so you you two are veterans like this is this is a conversation outside of my uh, purview <laughs> take, uh, taking the grubhub thing that you mentioned mm-hmm. it's also one of the things that just because you can be a grubhub driver doesn't mean you are cut out to be a grubhub driver <laughs> yeah right? 
And the problem is the jobs at the point where, like, they don't really care if you're qualified. You're just mm. the guy who shows up. Yeah. And, well, and, and the difference between the... a really great Grubhub driver and the guy who finally gets there... <laughs> well, the thing is it becomes this vicious cycle of incompetence. Right. And then, like, doing your job well becomes, like, an exploitable resource. It's just... Did I ever tell you... I also hate franchises because that's what they do is they're just, like... They're like landlords 2.0. They're just extracting all the value out of everything, and everything's right. always well, broken. Like, it is one of the like, when you go to your average movie theater, like mm. without like the higher price ones, they tend to do have better employees. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't that doesn't mean they're getting paid minimum wage. Yeah. Or it doesn't mean that they are full time positions. Or mm. it doesn't even mean that. This is weird because I've noticed this a lot in the last decade of working. Training has gone down the hill. What a huge mm-hmm. surprise. The amount of people at every job that I've worked at who have said, oh, I wasn't trained for this. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, I'm betting you the person you're talking to isn't trained and they just had to learn it on the fly. Yeah, because that, that, like, f- sort of the the result of that, oh, anyone could do this job mentality is that they that like teaching people how to do something well is set aside because like they think there's no such thing as like working a a job at a movie theater or a restaurant or a warehouse well well not only that but like even training would require hours of them not really working yeah and that is an anathema to the basic system Hmm. like i want to pay you to learn something that anyone can do well, there's also this sort of, I used to train people at McDonald's, got them having these flashbacks. <laughs> and even at like my better jobs, there's this sort of seasoning. Um, when I was a manager at Pizza Hut, what I used to do is I used to be like, here's how you do the basic tasks of this work. Here's how I do it. You're going to do it the way that I do it when you work with me. And now I'm going to put you on kitchen table alone on a Saturday. And like I've told people, like if you're still back here when I come back in an hour, then you then you'll be fine. If you're crying, then just leave. Like, and I, I would do that to people. I would just be like, "Yeah, this is hell." Like, if I'm so sorry, if you're not going to make it, like, it's better when there for you is, to burn when out there's now. No structure of support. You have to teach people how to function with no support. Uh, yeah. I call it edu- education through trauma. Like, you learn how to do everything from there from somebody screaming abusively at you until you cry and then you're like well guess now i know how to open the register (laughs) (laughs) well it's also one of the things of like there is a sort of running joke in most job places of like okay we're just gonna throw you to the wolves and see if you make it out Mm. yeah and it's not a joke (laughs) (laughs) um but all of this goes into the movie going experience because if you have workers who aren't trained who don't know what Mm. they're doing you're going to have a crappy time because, as you've just said, you don't mind the price of Alamo Drafthouse because of the experience. Mm. Mm-hmm. You don't mind it because everything is up to date. You don't mind it because it seems like they have people there who mm. know what they are doing. Yeah. The seats don't smell bad. <laughs> That's also because when you have leather seats, they're very easy to clean. I envy anyone with leather seats. We do not have those. Oh. Um, again, that would cost money and... Theaters, movie theaters don't like paying money. Again, they like getting new things and then letting them die on the vine. Yeah, well, it's it's that thing where like if you if you're already not making money, then where are you going to like? How are you going to be invest in the ability to have a better experience to 
like right. try and rate try and fucking just raise those margins by hand. Well, I'm and also so it's, yeah, it's taken out on workers. Obviously. I've always <laughs> been really confused when they're like, "Okay, we're just gonna raise ticket prices." I'm like, "Well, you could lower them. You'll get more people." <laughs> I guarantee you. <laughs> Movie pass shows the you're, way. You're, Don't carry go too low. Yeah, like find, find, maybe find a better balance is that that sort of core question. <laughs> movie Pass showed us that people will go to the movies. Do you remember in eighth grade? There actually that used to be a, an equation. It's like how far is the ball thrown in the air, or like if you place movie tickets at fifty dollars, this many people will buy them. If you price them at one dollar, this many people will buy them. Find the ideal price of movie tickets to make the most money. Like right. this is like. You're I want you to know, no, I don't remember much about 8th grade. It's been a long time. <laughs> uh, that's okay. It's not worth it. <laughs> but yeah, but, no, what Kara said is right. Like, it's, it sounds like something that should be basic, but it's not. Mm. But it's also another thing of like understanding how every, I think, theater is operated a little bit differently. Mm. So... So, just like, for example, Arclight is one of the few places that still has projectionists. Yeah, yeah. But so does the Chinese movie theater, Chinese Man, mm. and so does mm. some other the other AMC. So, it's not like all movie theaters, but a majority of them don't have people who are trained on them. Or mm. they just throw anybody upstairs. <laughs> but, I mean, what's, they think that because most people don't know if the movie is projected properly. Yeah. It's uh, one of those things you have to already know in order to know, kind of. Right. Well, it's also one of the things because people don't pay that much attention at the movie theater. Hmm. You said that, and I just had a moment very similar to when someone tells you, like, the FDA-approved amount of rat in your food. <laughs> and you just have this moment where you think over everything you've ever seen, and you're like, oh. And now I'm just flashing back to movies I've seen, and I'm like... Oh, yeah, they no, didn't like, know what a, they were doing. That's why it was better at my house. There's a running gag at our, at our theater. Um, if something is filmed darkly, that we shouldn't play it because <laughs> all the like all our cam all our projections projectors are the on the like last year warranty, hmm. and the lamp like all our movies aren't projected as best as we can. But like they're kind of dark, and if a movie is filmed darkly, like Invisible Man or Solo. Lord Almighty. <laughs> it's almost like knowing how to work a projector is a similar skill set to knowing how to work a camera, which is way more complicated than a lot of people think. Well, okay, so here's the thing. I'm going to tell you something. Um, this also goes to filmmakers. I think there's mm. a, a widening gulf between people who understand how to make movies and people mm. who understand how to show movies. Mm. Because mm. I've worked a few film festivals and I've talked to Enrique who is a projectionist, a union projectionist, and has been doing this for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And the number one thing he's told at film festivals by filmmakers is, I filmed this in the desert at night, can you make it brighter? <coughs> and he's like, Wait. no, because you didn't make it brighter. I can only make <laughs> it as bright as you made it. Like, I am you... showing the movie, you made it. You are the one who sets the ceiling and the floor on these things. Exactly. I have to work in the building you built. Why didn't you ask your editor that? This well, is also the thing. Once you democratize something, it means anyone can do it. But again, just because you can do it doesn't also goes back to not wanting to train or be trained. Yeah. 
And I mean, also the, um, I feel like the part of this is, is also not even necessarily like another thing is that movies are made to eventually make it onto home media. Now they are. Yes. And like used to be the case, but probably in the last 10 years, that's a definite case. Yeah. And I mean, especially now that TVs with like high dynamic range have, have taken off, like those, those concerns that will screw over a projected movie will come out looking much better on like your, your high end flat screen, like, you know, 4k HDR TV. And, uh, I don't know. I feel like that's uh, the, the, that contributes even further to, uh, to movie theaters sort of not being considered in those uh those things yeah no no that's fine no uh, it's because we also the why worry about it for the maybe two weeks it may be in theaters because movies are hardly in theaters for any length of time mm. with the exception of parasite mm. <laughs> yeah we've had parasite for almost half a year and the only reason why we stopped showing parasite is because we shut down <laughs> nice what uh there was another one are we, are we really... wait can we have a moment to consider that you stopped showing parasite because the plague came <laughs> can we just all let yeah, that one uh, digest for a second what 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 would there be to what deeper meaning would resonate out of that particular fact <laughs> was it was it uh into the spider-verse that was also at your theater for like a, a really long time into or the spider-verse mis- was uh it didn't start out strong but it picked up steam and it just kept hmm. going it didn't last as long as parasite but into the spider-verse for our theater also understandable hmm. right next door to sony yeah, yeah, I suppose that is a different kind of like the parasite <laughs> thing is even more impressive. Right, no. <laughs> it, it's is a not movie in English. It's a movie in Korean. <laughs> Holy crap. Wow, that is impressive. I love that makes me happy. <laughs> I'm still shocked that it that it was allowed to win best picture, not because it didn't deserve it, but because of the structure of I know, what it's is a really going. weird sort of like I was shocked. I didn't think it was gonna go all the way. Staggering. Good for good for them. But I have a real quick question for Kara. Oh. At the Alamo Draft House you went to. Yes. Um, Alamo Draft House has a very strict no talking during the movie policy. They want to keep it as distraction free as possible. Yes. Would they still be serving food through your movie? Um. Oh, wow. Thaddeus, do you remember for Blade Runner? Uh, cause yeah, that was what we saw. We saw 2049. Um, nice. yeah. Uh, movie blew out one of our speakers in house one. Nice. <laughs> was it that like, like engine revving noise that hit the soundtrack? I don't know hard? which one it was. Like what did it? I just know it blew out uh, the speaker. That's my, that's my belief. It's that, um, <laughs> I, I don't think they did. I think that it was like before, because I mean, there's a lot of preamble to to a, a draft house movie as well. Right. Um, yeah. The one I went to, the waitress, the waitress said, "We'll continue to serve you." Um, Forty minutes into the movie, and then the last thirty minutes is when, actually no, like the last thirty minutes is when that cut off. Mm. And that's when I started like collecting yeah, that, tabs and everything. That, that does sound familiar. I think it was something like that. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Like, it was well, like, oh my god, it was over a year. Today. And yeah. why will you be mad at me if I check my a text on my phone if you're just going to be in front of me as I order more food? <laughs> Light. Like, I get it, you're going to be discreet, 
but she Damn. still needs to like she still has a like a little flashlight of pen to make sure she's writing and I'm like I don't a whole person in front of me is much more distracting than the dude <laughs> beside me checking his text and mm-hmm. I'm like if I'm going to be paying this much money well, get out of my face <laughs> <laughs> that's nice food is nice but once the movie starts done <laughs> yeah but again because people because they're so desperate for people to come they'll do that and call that yeah. distraction free <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, de- it depends on how you define distraction, right? <laughs> and, since, and since they make the rules, they get to decide. Right, exactly. But, yeah, no, it's a, it's a matter of, like, not only that, but, like, they do, people do want an experience. That's why you do have some theaters doing the remarkably stupid thing of having theaters inside a playpen. Mm-hmm. What? Well, they have, it's basically uh... a playpen inside of a movie theater. So kids can run around screaming and, you know, play with toys and ball pits mm. and stuff, which is fine. Mm. But just have the playroom. <laughs> Don't. Right? Why waste the money? Because you're wasting bulb hours, you're wasting electricity on the projector. And the, all you're doing is getting rid of part of your agreed upon duty to the studio to show a film at this particular time. Mm. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. But yeah, it's like it's one of the things. Like, just I can understand having a playpen, but to have a playpen and a movie theater, yeah, that seems is, uh, silly. I don't know. I think it's 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 one of those things that's not necessarily meant to make sense so much as to be like, oh, that would be great. And then by the time you're there, you're like, oh, <laughs> no, it wouldn't. This would be stupid. <laughs> That seems like that'd be like one of those mommy and me showings, which actually I, I like the idea of those, although not the sexism of the statement I just made. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> the conceptual idea of like, hey, why don't we just, it's it's for little kids and the lights are up and that way if your kid has a complete meltdown in it, like no one cares because everyone else's kids is also having meltdowns. Like I think that's a good way to sort of acclimatize children to the atmosphere of theater. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I would agree, except I don't know what you're acclimating him to. Just being in a new space, the expectation that you're supposed to sit and be quiet, but the understanding that they can't really meet that, it's supposed to be like a scaffolding, so that way they're familiar with the idea of what they're supposed to be doing, the same way we like... Uh, Tara, you muted yourself again. Uh, We familiarize ourselves, we familiarize little kids with like what Christmas is way before they do it. A three-year-old does not remember Christmas last year, but somehow they know how this whole thing works. Mm. Well, at the same time, uh, the purpose of the playroom was not to sit and be quiet. It was to be as loud and as obnoxious as possible. Yeah, I'm not feeling the playroom. Yeah, that is, like, it's a weird combination. <laughs> I'm not feeling it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I like I like the idea that you just stated. That's not what they're trying to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, Could, yes, but... I'm, you mentioned something earlier, and I know that you have plans, but it's been haunting me. Okay. Could this... Could this break Disney's control? Okay, so funny you <laughs> mentioned that. So because of you all mentioned this, it first, and it's haunting me now. So Disney stocks have plummeted. Mm. And there was an article in which Apple said we are looking to buy Disney. Oh God! Bull. Yeah. This is when this was like a week ago, and as you've noticed, three di- three days can mean. A different, I mean, I was an entire an history book can be written in three yeah. days. Three I was days reading ago, an Trump article. was talking about UBI. Now that's not happening. <laughs> yeah. 
I was reading an article earlier today that was talking about how like the kinds of corporate bailouts that have appeared in build drafts so far are likely to trigger like mergers among companies. So yeah, yeah, and Disney's yeah. already a merger. Yep. Disney has swallowed up ABC, mm-hmm. Pixar. Mm-hmm. It has given them quote unquote independence. <laughs> But it still controls, like, they're the ones distributing, they're the ones who have the final say. Mm. Um, I don't understand how Disney has not yet run afoul of antitrust laws. Because they... Look over there! Right, well, A, they're trying to get rid of the antitrust law. Not the antitrust laws, because antitrust laws don't uh, apply to movies. Mm. Mm. Hmm. Oh, there it is. Remember how in the baseball documentary, like, uh, certain uh, regulations didn't apply to baseball because it was a pastime? Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. There's a separate. That's what's called the uh, Paramount Decrees, a Supreme Court case dealing specifically with movie theaters. So movie theaters are not regulated in the same way as an ordinary business like that would be. Mm. Basically, the Paramount Decrees specifically say the uh, movie studios cannot own every pro- every step of the process, such as mm. movie theaters, like they used to. Yeah. But. Now they are slowly moving that way. Going back to what you said, this could be the downfall of Disney having all the power in so mm. much that it doesn't have, depending on what how all this shakes out, mm. if they do lose so much money that they don't have as much as the market, that will be interesting because for so much of the last decade, Disney has been shaping the cinematic landscape. Yeah, in a very, uh, like, our way or by now <laughs> because it, it's one of the things where we talked about the idea of a marvel movie bombing seems impossible it will eventually though it has like, to eventually there's, what a, that there's does. a grim tension behind that every time right. yeah but it's every marvel movie has a sort of sense of inevitability behind it it's going to make money whereas yeah. every dc warner brothers movie has the opposite Will it make mm. money? Mm. The they argument is never, money. will it be any good? Yeah. The argument is always, it's going to be a hit. Look, I mean, we got we, we have Wonder Woman and Birds of Prey and Aquaman, and I'm feeling pretty all right about those. And Shazam's pretty decent. <laughs> oh, yeah. <gasps> you forgot Shazam. Shazam. Shazam's so good. I, I would never understand why it's not a Christmas movie, but whatever. I, uh, I'm uh, I literally was starting to say that. <laughs> <laughs> It was actually a funny joke between me and one of the managers. Like once a month, like it's that time of month where we ask the question, why didn't they release Shazam at Christmas time? Yeah, it's a jolly guy in a red suit. I mean, come on. Right. <laughs> um, but not only that, but like now that the end game has been treated as what it, as sort of like the end of an era. Yeah, that, that sort of capstone. Right. And the next four Marvel movies are being directed by people who are not white, heterosexual, or male. Mm. I'm wondering if this is where we'll start to see the drops. Mm. And gee, how will that be read? Right, because already we already have the go woke or go broke thing going on. Oh. Yeah. And... By, the, by the way, my, I, I salute you for digging through like the, the grifter <laughs> critic nonsense. I'm oh, very old. that was depressing. I'm very aware of that sphere, but I try not to look at it directly, like a Medusa. Yeah, no, it's kind of like 4chan. It's there. Ugh. You want to ignore it, and you should not go into it. <laughs> oh, we're not supposed to look at it? Yeah, no. No, it's horrible. Oh. Um, but, <laughs> whoops. 
Again, what happens if a Marvel movie bombs? Do they rebound? Because Marvel movies have bombed in the past. Mm. But they do such a good job of making you forget it. But the issue is, and we've already boasted this, is every Marvel movie has to make more than the last Marvel movie, or else it's a mm-hmm. quote-unquote bomb. That's how the internet reads it. But less and less mm. people are going to the theaters every time. Yeah. So eventually... We have to hit a point where the the Marvel movie bombs simply because no one goes to the movies anymore. Yeah, like one of those will push it over the edge. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, Marvel movies are the only movies anyone goes to see, or Star Wars, hmm. or they did. Yeah. And so what, what we're left with, with the only two or three studios that anyone reliably goes to see, and they're all Disney. Pixar, yeah. Marvel, and yeah. Star Wars. Yeah, those really are it, aren't they? Ugh. And when a one of those movies do not do the uber business that we are accustomed to from the last one, because again, there's always a drop-off because there are always less and less people going. Mm. It becomes, well, okay, now what do we do? Raise ticket prices, lay off. Yeah, Don't buy I'm new spe- equipment. I mean, I'm also especially like now that Disney has has built their own little streaming corner. I wonder how that's going to like, I don't know, affect their like how. I I wonder how ready they are to pivot in that direction. You know, well, they've already We're released he- Onward and some of the old and new releases. Yeah. We're heading for a bust of some kind. We just we don't know what's going to be, and I think the Chinese market has done a lot. I mean, this is something I think about all the time, and I know that people smarter than me who have more time and care have done this, but, like, the ticket price is like, oh, this movie made, you know, $100 million opening weekend. Okay, but when Spider-Man did that, ticket prices were $5 for the good tickets. Right. Now ticket prices are 20 for the good tickets. And so fewer people are going to movies, they're charging more. And so they're like, okay, well, let's, well, now they're folding in like, oh, it's the international box office now, which I don't have a problem with that being included, but it's like movies can't be compared to each other anymore. If they ever could. Right. I mean, they never really could, but I think it's, it's exponentially and it's all a shell game. I mean, yeah. Uh, Jeremiah could definitely go off for I think a while about how the idea of like what how much we really know about box offices for movies <laughs> well not only that but like Gone with the Wind is often cited as one of the highest grossing movies of all time with inflation mm. except yes. you how many people have seen Gone with the Wind and when Gone with the Wind came out the notion of a wide release as we know it was non-existent mm. yeah uh, movie theater chains did not exist because studios like owned movie theaters. Yeah, like it's so the notion of box office it really just depends on the time, and we are getting I think to a point like a point of diminishing returns, mm. and the fact of movies we can make movies for so cheap, and yet movies still cost three hundred million dollars to make. Yeah. I mean, you can save a lot of money if you just keep laying off all those people who make them. <laughs> well, it's yeah. one of the things where, like, they shoot in Atlanta because of the tax cuts. They yep. shoot them all the same time on green screen because it saves money and time. And yet, mm. how does it still cost this much? And you can't tell me it's the actors because they had a fight, fight to get, like, over a million. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, right. it's also uh, somebody pointed this out on Twitter. Crash like, service. hey, they're like, hey, did you ever? Does anyone else ever think it's super interesting that they decided to just sort of do everything in post because um, practical effects and stuntmen um, are unionized and visual effects are not? Yeah. Oh no. no. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I told you, like, uh, uh, we've talked about VFX on here. In fact, that, like, mm-hmm. there's a race to the bottom because most VFX companies, in order to get studio work, have to give a price so low to compete with the other prices that they can't mm. keep the lights on. Also, there's absolutely no solid history of labor organization in tech-based fields like computer graphics design, for example. <laughs> also, but, like, cats, Sonic... The people who did Sonic the Hedgehog, which made oh, a lot of money for the studio, were fuckers. out of business before the movie even came out. Oh, and they're the ones uh, who went back and did the redesign. Yep. Oh, that's... Uh, oh. And you want to talk about VFX? Part of the reason why the Marvel qualities of Marvel movies have dropped are because of this. Because you have VFX companies working around the clock, underpaid, exhausted. And there's a sort of cartoony quality to the movie now that's not fun so much yeah. as it is. I can tell you did that on a computer. Yeah, it's, like, it's like the go-to example. I think it was one that, that Patrick Willems might have used. But just like comparing what Iron Man looks like in Endgame to what yeah. Iron Man looked like in Iron Man is just... Uh, the but soli- like this is... It's a, it, the solidity of that armor in the first movie is just amazing. It has weight. Well, it's, it gets back to what we were just talking about, which is with movie theaters of the people who, and I don't mean this in a demeaning way, but I would say that, yes, there's probably a little bit less education involved in uh, movie theater uh, shift staff person versus visual effects guy. Mm. But it's the same thing of like, this desperate need to create contempt for the work that you absolutely need to be done, insisting there's no money for anything, insisting no one gets trained, burning people out. And it's just like, we're, there's this, they're very sure that it's infinite, Mm -hmm. that there will always be somebody else who's so desperate to prove themselves that they'll work off the clock. There'll always be some other guy. And right now with the pandemic, we're hitting a moment. It is like the plague. No, we're not going to be there forever. You can't make us go to work and die for you. Yeah, like that that mystique of the um like the cool job, whether it's a dream job like getting to design like a, a video game or a superhero that like you loved as a kid, or even if it's just as simple as like, "Ooh, I get to be the comic book store guy" or "I get to be the movie store guy." Like those jobs always have people waiting around the corner to like the the people who hang out there who want that job and i think in in a lot of ways like movie theaters i think are sort of in that sphere too like people who love movies would Mm -hmm. sometimes like would want to work in a movie theater um uh, and like that's that mystique is is uh less and less useful like as things get economically worse or just livability well yeah because like you can love movies and still be an absolute horrible employee at a movie yeah (laughs) yeah uh yeah no it's a matter of like one of the things i come when i train a projectionist upstairs i'm like look this is a tedious job so you got to really love the tediousness if not you're not going to make it because a lot of projection isn't like yes it's making sure the picture's good but it's also just like making sure the schedule's built properly and make sure the time's right and everything there's like a lot of like just basic medial stuff you have to do to make sure everything Log- logistical comes. work right 
But it's so beautiful when you pull it off. There's nothing like having a very detailed, tedious job, and it's just like dominoes falling when you get all the pieces to yeah. line up just right. You're like, hmm, oh, it's so good. Like it's, it's, whether it's working in a warehouse or like when I was still actively teaching, like when the things, when you, you plan things and they go well and everything works, it's a good fucking feeling. Yeah. <laughs> and that's how they get you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a drug. That is not how they get you because it doesn't happen often enough. <laughs> well, that's actually even more how they get you. That's one of the greater characteristics is uh, actually intermittent rewards for work uh-huh. is more addictive than consistent ones. Yeah, yeah. but also the uh, the uh, completely random uh, dramatic punishments will drive <laughs> you crazy. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I think my personal favorite is whenever, like, back uh, I talk to you, they're like, what would you like, like as an incentive, like a, a, like as a reward, I'm like, a bonus would be nice. <laughs> and they're like, how about uh, coffee? I'm like, coffee would be good, but a bonus would be better. Yeah. Uh, so you're asking me if I want a carrot at the end of the stick? Is that what I'm hearing? <laughs> I'll take more money. Um, yeah, money, money's a great carrot. I could buy <laughs> carrots with it. I'm actually, they, my nature, they, uh, I'm a weird person. And okay. one what? of the things that if my job came to me, the previous job I had and said, what incentive would you want? What would make you stay at this job forever? I would honestly look them in the eye and said, if you give me the ability to edit our written procedures, <laughs> I will live in this building. Like you could have some measure of control over the weird arbitrary rules that you all like tell us to follow, even though they don't follow each other. <laughs> even though I know them better than you do. And then people be like, I don't see why this is a problem. Kara, like, because you've Kara. never taken a phone call. I'll kill let's, you all. Let's not be, let's not all. be ridiculous. Ridiculous here, Carol. We all know that people in managerial roles are obviously well trained and completely comprehend all of the, the things that they have control over. <laughs> obviously, I'm going to tell you this right now. <laughs> I've worked in a movie theater with bad managers. Yeah, it is almost traumatizing. Oh, I, oh, I God, don't yeah. doubt that at all. Like any bad manager is traumatizing. Like there was a, a article uh, saying like eighty percent of the managers in America aren't properly trained. Of and course one not. One of those things where, like, even without reading the article, it's like I hard agree. Yeah, <laughs> I I don't see any reason to doubt that. <laughs> I don't even need to read the article. Next, I mean, but this is also part of the contempt of skills. Where like, when I became a manager at a Pizza Hut. Uh, one of the reasons was because I had a lot of experience, but the other reason was they very quickly realized I could do anything. I could do anything in the house. Yeah, of they all could... places, Pizza Hut understood the need to have management that knew how to do everything. <laughs> but the question is, the fact that I can work every single role in the house, does that make me actually good at seeing the ebb and flow of the floor and anticipating the needs of the restaurant yeah. and counting out ca- uh, cash registers? In my case, yes. Yes, it did because I'm a genius. But... <laughs> But, like, okay. there were a lot of people I know who got promoted to management who could not manage a toothpick. It's that, but, it's that thing where people get promoted above what their skill set is. Yeah, and I've, I've come to realize I don't mind a manager that doesn't know what my job is as long as when I tell them what my job is, they say, yes, ma'am. Yeah, well, right. here's, here's, here's an abstract question that I think fits this conversation as well as America more broadly. Mm. Why is it possible to be promoted to manage something that you haven't done? Like, why is manager a ge- is seen as a generalized role as opposed to a specific role that needs specific training? Because they don't... Okay, so there's a movie called Support the Girls. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in which it is about the manager of a Hooters-like restaurant. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, it's uh, Regina King. Oh, all right. Yeah, yeah. That sounds and fun. Basically, also Haley Lou Richardson, if I remember correctly. And basically, one of the things of it is, is she actually cares about her employees. Mm-hmm. And there's even a line that you don't know what it's like to have a manager actually care about you. Oh, that hits hard. It does, because I've now had managers who didn't care and managers who do. And there is, like, an indescribable difference. Yeah. And I'm sorry, that's Regina Hall, not Regina King. That's my bad. Ah, that's all right. I'm terrible with names. Yeah, I... so am I. But it's actually a really great movie because it does talk about the need for some kind of personal relationship in capitalism mm. if you're going to have it and then, like the nature of like i have to look out for these people to some degree yeah but there's only so much you can do but also understanding the fact that, like it's not just about showing up to work it's about like oh are you having an issue yeah and i mean it's it's one of those things where that i think about where like if management is going to continue to be a role as opposed to maybe just phasing out that role and starting to create systems where management is done cooperatively between work never mind uh if if management is going to continue to be a singular role it needs to be a role that is work like that you you have to be that you have to learn how to do and that has like much more like it needs to be treated like it's a job instead of just what you get promoted to. You know what I mean? It's so weird. Right. You have to know what you're doing and understand yeah. the purpose. <laughs> but I, I think the one thing I would argue is that so my previous role, I worked at a bank. I worked at a I worked as a telephone operator, a telephone banker, and a one thing I yeah, tel- a teleteller. So one of the things I sort of realized in that role was I didn't really need my manager to be a subject matter expert. I didn't need my manager to know how to take phone calls better than I did. And a few of them like had never really been phone reps in the way that I mm. was. What I needed them to be able to do was manage the situation. Yeah, I needed them to be able to handle the things I needed them to handle, to mitigate, to handle escalations, to mitigate relationship problems between me and my coworkers, to do those things. I'm not sure they deserve double my pay for doing it, <laughs> but there was something else that they did and something that I quickly realized I didn't want to do. And yeah. so, um, I mean, I think that also like manager is such a broad term. Too. Yeah. Like, well, I'm actually using the word, I can actually change what I'm saying. I'm actually using sure. the word supervisor and manager interchangeably and they're not. So a supervisor to me directly oversees a group of people and their job is to sort of have the bird's eye view of the task. Like you do this thing great, but you have to slow down because this guy isn't moving as quickly. They have to have that sort of perspective. And that perspective is a skill set differently from like making the thing. And that's all right. Um, What is terrifying is to have someone three or four levels above you and to be explaining to them the terms of their own job. (laughs) There's a certain kind of horror in that. Well, yeah, no, it's kind of like what you said, like the managers we have now, Projection what comes down, it's like, this is what we need to do. And like, all right. Because none of them know how to do projection, because that's an entirely different skill set. Yeah. <laughs> so they're like, what do you need? This is what I need. Awesome. And if they can give it to me, they can. If not, they're like, well, I guess we don't do it. Excellent. Here I, go. <laughs> I mean, at least there's a, a modicum of self-awareness there that I think is important. <laughs> I'll yeah. take it. Uh. But, um, no. Um, so basically, what as a most discussions we have the answer is we don't know yeah this spun from being generally about like what um, the role and, and form of movie theaters is and may be and then became a discussion about the hierarchical structure of labor in america 
<laughs> that happens sometimes. Yeah, right. it does. <laughs> That's all the time we have now. Uh, say goodbye, Thad. Solidarity forever. Solid- yeah. Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> say goodbye, Ken. Goodbye, Thad. <laughs> <laughs> all right, everyone. Have a good one. Until next Bye. time. I don't Keep have a Goodbye, well. Jeremiah. Bye.